Hey, it's Brandon Crane, uh, the original Ben Hanscom from the Stephen King's Hit miniseries, and you're listening to Without Your Head. Welcome to the Station of Decapitation Without Your Head. I'm Nasty Neal. I'm Treacherous Trista. We're joined by Brian Netto and Adam Schindler here. It's very good to have you both here. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, a reunion for both of you as well, we found out before we went live. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of Zoom rooms recently, but yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. So I guess I'll give us a background for people who aren't familiar yet. Uh, you know, how did you guys get started together? Uh, well, Brian and I, have, uh, we've known each other since uh, fourth grade, actually. We, uh, we grew up in Minnesota, and uh, we did the whole running around in the backyard with the VHS camera thing for many years. Uh, and when we graduated from high school, went to colleges that were decently close to each other, Brian had the party school. I had the, the more laid-back school, smaller laid-back school, so... Um, we stepped in, we stayed in touch. And, uh, and then after college, we, you know, we just kind of decided we want to make this, this movie making thing dream like a reality and actually make a go for it. So we just packed up the U-Haul and drove, drove out to Los Angeles to make it happen. Didn't really know anybody, but, uh, you know, had some perseverance and some luck and, and here we are. Were you guys making stuff back then in the fourth grade? Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, it was just the two of us. It was really hard to recruit other, other friends to join us. So it was a lot of, it was a lot of him on camera, me filming and vice versa. Now, it's tough to make a good movie that way, but you know, more than anything, it just kind of taught us uh, how to be creative. It taught us the camera angles. That was kind of our film school. Cause we didn't really go to film school, either of us. I mean, we took film courses here and there, but that was, it, it taught us a lot looking back on that stuff. Um, 
I think I think we learned a lot more than we realized. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, from doing the show and some of the friends I know who make film, a lot of them who didn't go to film school, I also got a lot of information like listening to uh, commentary tracks and like specials on DVDs and Blu-rays. A hundred percent. hundred percent. All that. I mean, when the, when, when Blu-rays came out or the DVDs came out for that matter, um, it was like a treasure trove of commentaries at that point. Cause VHS, it was just like, you watch the, the cut and yeah. that's what you're watching. But DVDs, it's like all oh, commentaries and behind the scenes and, and you know, I, half the time I just bought DVDs to watch that stuff. <laughs> I agree. And you also, yeah. and you also yeah. had, um, at that time you had people like Robert Rodriguez, Kevin Smith, Tarantino. So at, at a certain point, there was kind of that badge of honor for people that just kind of did it on their own, just kind of pulled up the bootstraps and just mm-hmm. truly the backyard DIY ethos. And so we really latched onto that uh, as well, because that was an inspiration for, for us. I mean, no, a lot of people that went to film school and I think they've, oh, they've, yeah. they've done well for themselves, but I think our path, um, has worked out as, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. And by the way, it's a lot off subject, but I missed that on DVDs and Blu-rays. Not too many of them have commentary tracks anymore. That was always... Uh, That's right. I, it, well, I, if I remember, Shaun of the Dead had a zombie commentary track, if I remember correctly. <laughs> uh, it was just zombies moaning for an Makes hour. Makes sense. So uh, <laughs> it's a great sense of humor. I'm sure you got a lot of information off that one. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, what did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I missed Yeah, that. yeah. We do too. Yeah, I, I miss that. I miss that too. I miss. The, I miss. I, I couldn't tell you the last time I bought a, a DVD or a Blu-ray. You know, obviously. Um, but uh, but yeah, I le- you learn a lot from that kind of stuff. You know, Fincher's stuff, David Fincher's stuff specifically. I remember his commentary. He used to have like tons of commentary tracks, and it was like with the like, production yeah. designer and the cinematographer and the you know the gaffer and like people that you wouldn't normally see on those types of commentaries. You always put them on there to kind of put them on a pedestal and learn a lot from that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's unfortunate, but when you mentioned like you would get some specifically to listen to them, uh, there are some, I did that like where I wasn't necessarily into the movie, but I knew mm-hmm. like the, the director, whoever always did great commentary tracks. So I'd get them and really just listen to the commentary. Absolutely. Well, Kevin, Kevin Smith's commentary tracks are like, I mean, that's, <laughs> Well, he took that. Amazing. He, he made a whole cottage industry out of just. just yeah, he's a master storyteller in that way. So, yeah. 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 But also he had, he just didn't have a, he had no guards up. You know, I think sometimes you get on there and you put on a, per, a persona, but he just never had that. Just no filter. He's just going to tell you, this was just not a good scene. Boom. This is why. <laughs> like it was, you know, he's just good that way. A lot of people have been good that way. Yeah. Adam Wingard also, I remember specifically watching one of him and he was just very <laughs> candid, like this, this scene didn't work. And this is why we thought we could do it. We couldn't do it this way. I just love that. I mean, I think more than anything, they don't realize how important that is for other filmmakers, uh, growing, budding filmmakers to hear that and just understand that some, you're not going to see all the mistakes. The filmmaker will, but the audience won't. So it's good to hear that stuff. Smith definitely like a pioneer. And uh, before, like a lot of people were making stuff without film school. I mean, when Clark came out, that was, you know, everyone heard the story times. yeah the big, beginning of indie film in the you know, early 90s indie film i mean that that's what set it off and we just followed in the footsteps i mean funny brian brought up the robert rodriguez stuff i mean i was just digitizing old vhs movies that we had or like our old movies that we made just to keep make sure that i it didn't break down and we had something of it and we stole so much stuff from robert rodriguez and those guys i mean we like, oh, we just saw Desperado or we just saw this El Mariachi because like every shot just like cranes up to the, their face. I mean, it's hilarious to watch through all that stuff and see all yeah. the camera angles we stole. But we learned and that's how we did it. We just learned. 
And I want to thank, by the way, Tristan for setting this interview up and most of the interviews this month and next month. It's very uh, cool. Like, oh. awesome. Well, I hope it continues to go well. It could be a train wreck any minute. Any second. Now there's a lot of pressure on them to do it. I know. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Uh, do you have a question, Trista? I do, yeah. I'm assuming you're both horror fans uh, since yes. you're horror creators. So I'd love yep. to know what some of your favorite horror films are. Um, well, we, uh, we're huge Sam Raimi fan, fans, of course. So Evil Dead, um, the early Peter Jackson movies you know dead alive we used to i remember sitting in brian's basement one would keep keep look for his parents so they went see us watching dead alive in his basement um you know and then like he's got in the background there the thing you know i mean all the way to the shining and the exorcist i mean we're kind of like we like it all there's not one specific brand of horror or whatever that we like i mean all the way up to hereditary now and and uh, some of the, you know, the lodge and some of the, the really, you know, darker, heavy horror stuff um, we love. So, I mean, it's just across the board pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been, I mean, from, from the moment we started making stuff, it was always horror based. And I think we never questioned it, frankly. And I think um, it was just something that we've always gravitated towards. Just that feeling that you get that visceral feeling, you know, laughter and, and being scared are the two greatest things I think that you can create as a filmmaker, you know, for your audience. And mostly that's because of things that we like, that's what we love to do the most. We love to laugh at a film and we love to be scared. So I think more than anything, that's kind of what we love to infuse our, our stories with. Um, our first two didn't have a lot, a lot of laughter in those, but the, the last one we just did was kind of, a, was an opportunity for us to flex a different muscle and show um, just some of the stuff that like the 15 year old version of us would have loved. So yeah, like you said, Sam Raimi, going back to some of the early stuff that Polanski did. I mean, we love stuff. It can be really dry and very just kind of grounded or it can be completely over the top and just insane. And, you know, like the, the splat stick, you know, the stuff that Raimi mm -hmm. and Jackson were doing. Like we, we love our, our tastes run again. Really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's what's always cool about horror is, you know, there's not just one type of horror. It depends mm -hmm. what you're in the mood for. If you want to watch something silly, or if you want something. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think, I think there was a period where I was watching a really, a lot of heavy stuff, like stuff uh, like Park Chan-wook. This is not horror, but Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, you know, stuff along those lines. It really, um, that really pushed the boundaries. And I think um, recently found ourselves gravitating towards stuff that that kind of puts you on that movie eye like when you just come out of the theater you just seem like an egg like, and you just one like, of the greatest yeah one of the greatest movie going experience i can remember it was out here in los angeles was when uh zach snyder's uh dawn of the dead remake came out now talk about horror and comedy and the throw together of all of that i mean that experience was like Talk about movie high. I, 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 mean, I used to vividly remember walking out of the theater and just going, wow, what a ride that was. And it's, you know, it's, that's what we're hopefully with the films that we make. That's what we're trying to achieve. You're trying to, you know, make something that we want to watch in hopes that other people want to watch that too. <laughs> I do think those are the two genres that are, are the best to watch with, with other people. It's yeah, something they'll make you laugh or, or be afraid or be scared. Because uh, you can share that with everybody. It's not the same like you're all going to sit there and cry together watching a drama. <laughs> right, no, it's right. Very, it's very communal. I, I mean, if thinking back to some of the best experiences we've had in the theater, it's almost it's almost entirely uh, horror films. Um, and, and that's just that communal experience of cringing with people and watching them kind of sit up a little bit and pull their feet up and just kind of hide behind or dig their hands into the rest. Like, that's exciting. 
I know it's for people that don't love the genre. I think they look, they probably look and go, what's wrong with you? But I think for us, it's just evoking a, a physical reaction, which is so tough to do. It's just, you know, it's a flat image on a screen. So if you can evoke something, it means you're doing something right. And that's what we love to do. Along those lines, when you said other people who aren't into horror might think, hey, what's wrong with you? And you said earlier about watching Dead Alive and mm-hmm. sure your parents were coming down. Uh, were they cool with you guys uh, pursuing to make horror movies? I think mom always says the joke. The funny thing is every time I talk to my mom, she's like, can you just do a nice documentary about <laughs> something? You know, um, it's I don't know. We both had great childhoods, So like, you know what I mean? Like I. People ask us, where, does he, where do these ideas come from? Like, you guys seem pretty even keel and pretty laid back. And I don't know. It's just, the, I think, I like to think that we just kind of mass manifest these, I, these horror ideas to kind of like purge those thoughts and purge any type of stuff like that. Because we, we do live such kind of normal lives as far as like whatever you consider normal. But, um, but yeah, I mean, our parents, they were just, they wanted us to be happy. So, you know, at some point they were figuring there would probably be a phase and we would, you know, our friends are buying cars and we're buying video cameras and they're like, okay, there's a phase at some point, but it, it just never did. They, they, never... they were just happy. I mean, I think they were just filmmaking in general, not so much horror, but filmmaking right. in general, like that's yeah. obviously, I mean, where we were in Minnesota, like um, it's, it's, it, it's, it's, it's hard. And if you, if you're familiar with the industry, you'll look at it as hard. But I think coming from where we came from in Minnesota, you just look at it like it's an impossible dream. They were, they were happy that we pursued it. They were happy that we chose something that we love to do, but I think just filmmaking in general. But I do remember when um, our first film uh, played at the LA film festival. And I remember my wife looking over my wife telling me later, she's like, I saw your dad watching the screen when your names came up and like, you got like emotional. And I was, that was emotional for me because we used to, we used to torture them with the endless bad <laughs> movies we used to make and just watch this, just check it out. And of course they're looking at it proud because their child made it. Right. Like, I mean, but I think the, the opportunity for them to show that all that work that we put into has, has, um, has led to something that yeah. other people can enjoy beyond them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Something that is discernibly good, you know, that's obvious, you know, but better than what we've been putting out. That was, that meant a lot to us. Yeah. 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 Progress. When you first moved out there and said, like, you know, you didn't really know anybody or so what were you like your first steps to pursue doing this? You go out to LA from Minnesota and Great um, yeah, good question. We, uh, the funny thing, the funny thing is we came up, we had no clue. I mean, like the movie industry is, it's not like the business industry, which is like, you know, put on a suit, go to an interview, hand your resume, do the thing, and then maybe you get a job. We didn't know that. So we dressed up in our best suits and stuff. I remember walking, driving around. We'd go to like Disney lot and like hand our resume to the security guard and be like, and the guy's like, cool. And then we leave and we <laughs> to throw it in the garbage. I mean, like we literally did that. And then we would spend the rest of the afternoon at the theater watching whatever movies came out. Um, we ended up just, we ended up getting jobs at Borders Books, which for people who aren't familiar, what well, used to be a bookstore um, on La Cienega. So um, a big bookstore on La Cienega. So, uh, you know, I worked in the music department, the CD department, Brian worked in the book department. And we did that kind of like just to pay our bills and kind of get our feet under us and kind of figure this out. Um, and then we ultimately got internships. We just, we, we interviewed with some places and got internships. Brian got an internship on, what was it on Warner Brothers, Brian? Warner Brothers Lot, yeah. Warner Brothers Lot. And I got another internship and we just started doing stuff for free back then it was okay it was okay i guess to intern for free and so we were yeah it was five days we were working seven days a week we only got paid for five that's what he was always saying yeah. so yeah. you know the, seven days a week we were tied up but ultimately we said again using some of the heroes at that time you know, people that we were looking up to 
if we want to get something off the ground, we've got to write it and direct it ourselves. So we, we put together a, a plan for delivery at the time. Now at the time that we had hatched delivery, the only thing that was out even remotely like it was Lake Mungo, which is an amazing uh, film. It's a found footage documentary from Australia. Australia. So, so when we pitched it to our manager, he was, he was trying to wrap his head around the idea that it's this failed reality show that has, you know, kind of delved dovetails into Rosemary's baby, baby territory. But he was like, yeah, sure, let's go for it. So that was, that was our, you know what I mean? Like, you know, everyone talks about Sylvester Stallone doing Rocky and just like, I wrote it, I'm going to make it. That was our example. Like, all right, we can make delivery and, and, and got it to some people, got some really strong responses. I think that was the first time we realized that when you put something out that people like, they'll come to you, they'll call you instead of the <laughs> other way around. And we shot that in and around uh, the Valley. Um, we, we funded it ourselves, which they say never to do, but you got to bet on yourselves. So we funded it ourselves, shot it around the Valley and then um, premiered at LA Film Festival and sold out of that festival and, and, and went to about a dozen more across the world. And that was, our, that was for us an opportunity to just say like, look, we can tell an entertaining story for not a lot of money. And it was truly just an opportunity to, to, to use that to springboard to bigger, to bigger things. So it, it, for anybody thinking like, how do I get, truly just bet on yourselves. Don't bet the farm and don't bet your house and, or, you know, but, <laughs> but bet on yourself and put something out because I think more than anything, the people that end up doing it just end up doing it. They figure out a way to get it done. And so we just followed in those footsteps. And do the work. And, you know, it was it, not saying it, we had lots of ups and downs to making that movie. It was definitely a passion project, you know, aside from the financial aspect of it. You know, we basically did everything on, on that and uh, including edited and everything. I mean, and it was uh, it was if we consider our backyard movie making, you know, early our grade school filmmaking, this was like our, you know, our film school version of it basically you know just teaching ourselves like every aspect of a production crew what they do um and every, you know getting the right people involved we hired all those people um and they all i mean it was it was a good group that really uh that all were there for the right reasons everybody worked really really hard for basically no money and um yeah, that's where the luck came involved. You know, you got a lot of good people that really wanted this thing to succeed and, and, and work. And it wasn't their passion project, but they weren't getting paid much. But I think they felt our passion and our excitement over it and it kind of just like bled into the rest of the group. Did you continue to work with uh, any of the crew from, from the first movie? Yes, yes. we actually, yeah, we, uh, um, well, the crew, no. We're friends with we're we were we're, we're friends, friends with yeah with a lot we're still of those, friends with Laurel Vale the lead Laurel Vale has gone on and done her own amazing short film called um, What Metal Girls Want which toured the festival circuit a couple of years ago great film um, really good film you should check it out online I think you can see it on Amazon Prime but uh, the, the lead actor Danny Barclay uh, the husband in that he's uh, turned into a really good screenwriter still an actor as well and he wrote uh, something that we're that we're hoping to make uh, oh, soon. Uh, a really cool project. So we, we keep in touch with all the people from them because it was, like I said, it was a lot of us were kind of, uh, were cutting our teeth in, in our respective roles on that, on that film. Uh, what's like the process like to get people to, to act like they're on a reality show? Cause it is a certain type <laughs> of, you know, casting. Well, casting. It's a very, that's a very good question because we, like Brian said, before we did delivery, there really wasn't any, major found footage the found footage thing wasn't huge yeah um so our, our manager we we were telling our manager about what we want to do and how we want to do and he's like we're like oh 
there's this movie we read about. It played at Screamfest, we think. I don't know. It's called uh, Paranormal Activity. Do you think you could get a copy of Paranormal Activity for us to look at how we did that and just look at what it was? And he was like, uh, no, guys, I don't. they have it on lock and key. I don't know what they're doing with it, but I can get you a meeting with the creator, Oren Pelly. So I remember sitting down with him, just sweetest guy you'll ever meet, and sitting down, and he literally laid out literally papers on the, on the table and said, this is how I did it. This is how I put it together. I formatted it. Um, and we literally just took a lot of what he had done and did our own little versions of it. But, but it, we didn't give the, we wrote a script or what we called a scriptment. So it was all the action and the arcs and the characters in the story, minus the dialogue, minus much of the dialogue. And we, we had, we cast actors, um, on their improv ability, their dramatic improv ability, because, um, it's not a, it's, it's a straightforward horror movie it's not a, a thriller horror movie so it's not a it's not a comedy thing at all um and we didn't give the the cast the script so we just kind of told them what kind of like what was going to potentially happen in this scene and let them just kind of go and fill stuff in because just to let them feel the moment and mm-hmm. not feel script scripted so that's that's how we did it i terrified we, we met with a lot of people beforehand that were like willing us to give us a little bit of more money than we you know, we really needed to make it, but they were terrified at the idea of us not of it shooting it this way. They were I'm like, so wait a minute. They're like, wait a minute. This actors aren't going to see the script. We're like, no, no, we've cast actors for their ability to improv. They just, and they just almost asked, asked it again. Like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite following. So we realized that they, they weren't the partners for us, but for us, it never scared us. I think we found actors that were really game and excited about the process. And, and so they'd be in hair and makeup and we'd be like, all right, here's the scene. This happens, this happens. Here's the in point, here's the out point. And in between, if there was little bits of lines of dialogue that they needed to get across that were specific to the plot, we would feed them those lines. But outside of that, a lot of it was, was built on the relationship they'd had because we were in prep for about a year where we just kind of met and got together and, and fed them who their characters were and sent them on little missions to take photos with each other and take little day trips. And we had that kind of time because we didn't have any money. And so as we were <laughs> building this thing piecemeal, we had plenty of time with our, with our actors. So 100% came down to casting. And when we even cast, we didn't have sides. We just sat them in a room, plot two people down and had them pretend to be husband and wife and just went, go. And some people gave us the deer in headlights and some people just ran with it. And um, I think it, 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 that really kind of weeded out who was going to, who had that particular skill set. Yeah. And that's, that's straight out of the Oren Pelly playbook. I mean, that's what he told us he did. He's like, I, paranormal activity, sat people down, brought them in, sat them down and said, why is your house haunted? Or why do you think your house is haunted? And then people like, uh, I don't know. And like, just see what they could do kind of a thing. And we were like, that's a great strategy in order to get, because that's this entire art delivery is all that. Is like Laurel's character is the main character. She's the one who's pregnant. So she knows a lot more than Danny's, her husband's character in this. There's a lot of scenes where she knows a little bit more. We tell her a little bit more than we tell him and vice versa to kind of let them play off of each other and reveal some things in the scene. Um, and luckily it, it worked. It, it worked remarkably well, I think, um, in, in drawing those performances. Did that uh, make it uh, more difficult or easier to edit? Because I don't know, like, how much you'd shoot doing that. <laughs> we had a lot of footage. We, I mean, that's the reason we, we cut it ourselves. Is it scared off editors. I mean, we didn't have money. We literally, <laughs> but it, but we cut it ourselves at our at our kitchen tables. And so it was it was you know I, like I said, lesson learned. I mean, we got a lot of footage. And we got what we needed. But 
ultimately it was just a mountain of footage. It's just a lot of footage because we all, you know, we had, we were just running and gunning and just, and just capturing performance, lots of takes to make sure that we got what we needed. So it was, it was daunting. <laughs> I know you the, had like, the release of the, I have to say the release of delivery does have commentary tracks. This had to add that. Does it? I don't remember that. Did yes. We oh, wow. yes, we did do commentary. <laughs> uh, did you have a question, Trista? Yeah. Can you guys talk a little bit about type AB? Sure, Brian, go, go ahead. Yeah, well, so that was, you know, Type AB is, is actually, is obviously us, Adam and Brian. And, you know, our goal moving forward I actually is, didn't put that together. No, oh, yeah. me either. We're, yeah. we're uh, very confused <laughs> over here. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it's, 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 uh, at a certain point, I think we're going to, we're going to expand to include things that we like to produce because there's a lot of filmmakers that are friends and people that we're fans of, and we'd love to tell, get their stories out there. But ultimately, you know, our stuff is, like we said, genre oriented. It's, um, you know, we have television shows that we are in, have in development, but primarily feature films. And it's, and it's kind of what we've done. I mean, I think if you look at Delivery, which is kind of a psychological horror film, our second film, Intruders, is more of a home invasion. And then what we just did with um, the, the 50 States of Fright is, is very much kind of a fun um, bit of kind of a grab bag of all of our influences, horror, action, suspense. Um, so th those are the things that we really enjoy. We like telling stories like that. I think uh, moving forward, um, our goal is to is to try to tell stories uh, about the people that maybe you don't see on camera very often, uh, maybe underrepresented, and, and just bring genre to those that segment of the population. So that's really important for us moving forward. Those are, that's some of the stuff that we have in development now that we're trying to get out. Mm -hmm. So that's that's type AB. In a <clears throat> Um, when you were doing a lot of the uh, improv for delivery, did that uh, shape the movie differently than you foresaw it? I know you had like the outline of it, but uh, just how people are using different dialogue, did, did it change anything while you're making it? There were definitely happy accidents, um, but we knew, we had a very good idea of what we wanted. I'm just, it's hard to think back that far, but it's, it's been about 10 years. But I can remember not walking away until we had what we needed. But without a doubt, there was happy accidents. I mean, more than anything, the happy accidents were actually probably more in the first part because the first act of it plays like a real, like a thing you'll see on TLC. Like it's very upbeat and sweet and bright and there's lots of laughter. And then it takes a slow turn down and then it takes a more gradual turn down. And I think the, the humor that you saw in the first part was, was, was a lot of the happy accidents because that just happens when you get two people together and riff. Um, it yeah, was surprisingly I, I, funnier. Yeah, it was surprisingly funnier and surprisingly more felt more real with the humor added into it um and we just know. didn't run away from that yeah we didn't yeah, i mean yeah, we didn't we weren't we weren't afraid i think i remember when we did a cut we were talking about our, our co friends in common trista but i remember when we did a cut and screened it for, for a friend tommy bernard and um and uh, after i just remember saying i don't know what this is but i'm really proud of it i really like it and i think it was because we weren't afraid to put a lot of dramatic sequences in there or a lot of humor or, or, or we just weren't afraid of whatever it was going to be. So long as it felt real, if that it felt real, if that was a true emotion, it went in the movie. So um, I remember that screening with Tommy Bryan because um, Tommy's a cool, cool dude. And he, I remember him after we watched it, he turned and looked at us and he said, well, I'm jealous. And that just meant everything <laughs> to us. Cause I was like, cause we had just poured everything we had into it. And to hear somebody just honestly say, goes, I'm jealous that you guys were able to mount this and just did this just when it did it. You know what I mean? Um, that felt really, really good. That was one of the most rewarding, just like moments. Like we hadn't even shown it to anybody else 
not even shown it to our parents yet. And we just like trying to get that's, to get that's the benefit of having, that's the benefit of, of the, the benefit and the curse of just the, the two of us that were a lot, a lot of the decision makers mm-hmm. is that you don't know how it's going to play. And obviously for people that have seen it, it, it ends in a particular way that you're just like, Hmm, how are people going to respond to that? You just don't know. You just don't know. So you throw it out there and um, you just hope that there are like-minded people like you that, that dig stuff like that with every film, really. That's <laughs> everything. Yeah. Uh, when you talked about like uh, the beginning is is uh, funnier than you expected, and then mm-hmm. you have the the music really adds to that. It really does mm-hmm. make it feel like a, a reality show, uh, and like a fast paced reality show. Like the the mm-hmm. yeah, they there's a there's a there's a language that they have that's very specific, and and it was very oddly very easy to tap into. That was the question we got the most whenever we do Q and A's. Is they would be like, so if you guys worked in reality, we said no, we just watched it. It was very it's very easy to just it's it's a lot of movement, a lot of music. It's up, it's color, it's just, it's designed, it's like a little toy in front of a cat. Like it's just made to keep you watching and, and you know, you come, you come engage with these people, even if they're just 30 minutes of them going to McDonald's, that's a reality show. And so we just tapped into that. It was actually fairly easy to, um, to mimic that. Now, had either of you uh, gone to festivals before you had your own movie in a festival? Um, yes, around Minnesota. I mean, they would have uh, some festivals come through. They used to um, show films at Bell Auditorium at University of Minnesota. We used to go see, I think that's where we saw El Mariachi. Oh, that's uh, right. And stuff. So they would have, they would have stuff uh, in the crazy painful seats. They were like terrible, the worst <laughs> movie seats you ever sit in. But, uh, you know, so yes, we would go see, you know, those types of films. We would be at the local movie Cinemaplex like every weekend though. We, we just... We didn't, at that point, we didn't go, well, I don't want to see this. Or, we would just go see anything. Like what, whatever came out, we would look at whatever we came out, we'll go see that. Um, I do remember seeing two films at LA Film Festival once, two of my favorite horror films I'd seen. I saw them like, not, I don't know if it may have been back to back the same night, but it was the original Juwan, The Grudge, which freaked me out. And uh, High Tension. They played at the same mm-hmm. festival at LA Film Festival. So I've been to that one and just, I mean, those were films that, some of the best horror films um, that had come out that particular year. So when they were playing that, mm-hmm. that was great. And then when we got into LA Film Festival, that was easily like, you know, we, we didn't, we had pretty modest goals when we were making the film. It was just, to, we just honestly, th- we said at the end of the day, if we get a DVD of this that we can put on our shelves, that's it. That's all we need. And then everything above that was gravy. So uh, being able to go to a film festival with your film is incredibly, A, incredibly nerve wracking. <laughs> Uh, particularly because, you know, we were there with our sales agent to try to sell. So truly people are judging it, not just on a piece, not just on merit to, to review it as a, as a film, but also like, are we going to get our money back? Um, so that was incredibly nerve wracking, but, but we were really proud to, to get into that. Luckily our, our delivery played in the same theater right before a preview screening of the conjuring. So, most of the audience had no clue what our movie was going into it. Cause they're, they're there amped up like, okay, I'll just see this movie so I can get my seat so I can watch the conjuring. And that was one of the best viewing experiences I've ever had with watching an audience watch our movie. Cause they, people were just amped up and ready for the conjuring. And they got a little treat with our movie and, and everyone was it, so into it. A lot of the programmers kept saying, I'm going to sneak into your movie for the last 10 minutes because I want to be there for the audience. So we had people kind of funneling in. It was a packed house anyway. People kind of funneling in and just kind of hanging out, just waiting to see what the reaction was going to be. So um, that, yeah, I mean, that uh, touring around with Delivery, we didn't get to do as much with with Intruders, our second film, unfortunately, but the touring around with Delivery, 
across the country and went to the UK once. Adam went to um, Where you maybe. Yeah, I went uh, to Norway, but that was for that was for interior. But touring, yeah, touring around with delivery was without a doubt the the highlight of our of our filmmaking career. Just just being out and meeting all these other incredible, incredible filmmakers. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah this yeah. is a silly thing, but when you mentioned that the seats were very uncomfortable, <laughs> I think there's a happy medium because if seats are too comfortable at a at a film festival, especially if it's just like if you're watching ten hours of movies a day, it's hard. No matter if they're great, it's hard to stay awake if if but, the seats are too comfortable. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I've yeah. not done a marathon. I don't know. I I tend. You know what? I have like a. I can only do like two, three a day because I really like. If I see a really good movie, I need to kind of mm-hmm. think on it. And so it's really hard for me to sit and watch too many in a row. So I've not done a marathon, but, but I, I cannot wait until we have the opportunity again. I mean, we're all yeah. waiting for that. Well, that's, the, that's the best. Being a filmmaker who has a, a film at a festival, whatever mm-hmm. festival that is, there's no better place to be because you just got the badge and you can go see all the movies. And a lot of those people you're, you know, you're hanging out with a lot of the filmmakers and, you know, circling around to what we just did with 50 States of Fright it was kind of like we were shooting. It's an anthology series for people don't know. It was on the Quibi app, which <laughs> we know what happened with that. <laughs> Rest in peace, which happened. We know what happened with that, but it was very much a felt like a film festival with filmmaking, just making films instead of watching films. We're making films. Cause it was like a small group of people, small group of directors. Everybody was doing their own thing. A separate episode was a separate movie, you know, and we all were hanging out afterwards trading horror stories, trading, you know, battle scars and talking about making them. And it felt very, very much like, film like festival. being at a film festival. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you guys, do you guys often go to film festivals? Is, do you guys, I mean, before the pre-pandemic, obviously. Yeah. I went to them very often up until mm-hmm. the pandemic. It's probably the thing I miss the most. It's, it's, yeah. it really is incredible. It's a great experience. I think um, I, I, I did the Sundance this year. I, I went to see one film, not went to see, but I saw one film at, not quite the same, but uh, I miss them. It's them. sort of how I met Trista was I saw Echoes, her film Echoes of Fear at, at um, Buffalo Dreams Fantastic Film Festival. Oh, wow. And then uh, they had her on the show. and That's incredible. Yeah. That's Rest awesome. history. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and I, I love Buffalo, but that's one I was thinking of. It's seven, <laughs> like seven days, and it's like 10 hours of movies every day. And it's uh, by the end, you're, you're kind of delirious from yeah yeah no doubt no No, i'm not i've heard that's a good one up there i have some family up in northern new york so and like you said it's great meeting everybody and there's a real community at uh i don't want to say smaller festivals but the festivals Mm -hmm. in in like certain areas Mm because there's a lot of the local filmmakers who come there every year and uh so Mm -hmm. they know each other then other people come from out of state and stuff so Mm -hmm. do you guys go as do you go as press or do you go as just as a attendee well trista would have gone with her movies with her movie yeah. yeah yeah And I went as press, and then um, I did have a short film in film festivals last year. Which mm-hmm. was, that was awesome. Congratulations, congratulations, man. Thank you. Well, yeah, awesome. So here in the chat, uh, Azzy and Gaming uh, says they are a big fan, and Alec mm-hmm. Rosario says a huge fan of AB and that this is great. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. That's very nice of them. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. He even mm-hmm. wants to know uh, what led to Killing Floor Uncovered. That we, a friend of ours, a mutual friend, a friend of ours knew the guys at Tripwire. Um, and at the, they were trying, I think Killing Floor 
Tripwire is a video game company. For yeah, that's a company that, that produced it. And so we, it was right after delivery and they, Clean Floor was just kind of making noise and we were just, you know, delivery had just come out. So it was really cool. We just met with them. We screened the film for them and met with them and they were very much the, the video game version of us. Like they were just, I mean, quite, you know, from what we understand of Tripwire, almost like, you know, made it in their garage and then expanded. And they said that they wanted that they were looking for a, a way to, to kind of, to kind of serialize or tell a story based on the game. And we, I mean, we played games as a kid, but not as much. And they gave us a, a version of it to play. And, and that was not a good idea because at, pretty soon you're just on that thing for hours and hours on end. But uh, if you've ever played that game, um, it's, there's so many different ways you can, you, there's so many different characters and so many different interesting ways in. And so we pitched them an idea on, on how we thought um, we could tell a, a, a little short that helped promote the game. And uh, we shot it here in Los Angeles and uh, it came out, what is it, 2015 or 2016? Yeah, it came out on the. They, 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 yeah, so um, we've been obviously, frankly, we've been eager to go back because, like I said, the game has just blown up, and there's just so many different things you can do with that. So that's that was that was one of those things where you just we met someone, had a connection, pitched them a take, and and they dug it. Now, Trish, do you have a question? You guys mentioned working on Sam Raimi's anthology. Mm -hmm. I have to ask, yeah. what was that like? Were you just pinching yourselves? Were you scared, <laughs> excited? Pinching. A lot of pinching. pinching. Yeah. yeah. Each other. Mostly each other. Yes. <laughs> They're like, guys, can we get the shot? Stop pinching. <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, that no. was a dream. Yeah, it was a dream. It was definitely a dream come true. I mean, we, um, we were brought into that project by a, a good friend of ours who had, again, had seen delivery. We had met with him. He was at a different car, a executive at a different company. And we always were like, we want to find something to work together on. And, and, you know, we just kept that relationship and hanging out and he saw our second movie. He's like, Oh, I love your second movie too. And we got to find something to work on. And, and then we were talking to him one time and he said, there's something coming around the pike that might down the pike that might be something you guys would love. Can't tell you much about it, but when it comes time, I'll let you know. And sure enough, you reached out and said, this is what they're doing. We're doing the Sam Raimi thing for Quibi. It's an anthology. Uh, first question was, some, what's, some your, our first question was, what's Quibi? <laughs> yeah, what's Quibi? Um, the next question, what he said was, it's an anthology surrounding states, the 50 states and horror stories tell, told or, you know, in those each state. And we were like, oh, man, we have to think of one for Minnesota, our home, our home state. So we put together a number of them and, uh, and pitched our take on a couple of different states. And luckily, they, they all gravitated to the, to the Minnesota episode. We were like, thank God. And... Uh, and yeah, they are, it, the process moved pretty quick, and and you by know ho by Hollywood blank. standards, you know from by the time Hollywood we, standards from the time we pitched to the time, I think we pitched and shot and delivered everything within a, within about a year. So it was it was about last April that we that's, that's writing it and yeah, writing you know, it, you know, writing it, and then and then so then and then yeah, so then we went to, we were in we were in Vancouver in October of last year. Is that right? Not last year, nineteen two years ago. Okay. So, um, but great. I mean, incredible, really. I mean, it was, you know, it was an opportunity to tell something from our home state. There's not a lot um, of, of, of memorable, I should say, or, or familiar horror stories from Minnesota. So for us, it was an opportunity to really put a stamp on the state. I mean, obviously, you know, something like Jennifer's body and everyone knows Fargo. So it was a chance um, to kind of do something that, like I said, kind of the 15 year old versions of us would have loved. And when, you know, it, it really ballooned, it actually ended up being you know, probably in scope, the biggest of the episodes. And I think people were looking at us like, guys, are you going to cut some of this down? Because it was so fast. I mean, we shot it all in five days. 
and it ended up being about 25 minutes long and it's, and it's got stunts and it's got visual effects and practical effects and a really big lots cast. Of running. Lots of running. Lots of running. And so, it, you know, I think everyone was a little surprised, a little nervous and then surprised when we got, we got it all in the can, but we, you know, we cut our first two films. And so we have a really good sense of like what we need and what we don't. And even I remember, you know, two of our leads were both on Netflix shows, Asa Butterfield, Alex Fitzalan, and, and they were like, we move fast on those shows, but this is fast. And we were like, don't have time. Got to go. Like it was just, <laughs> it was, it was, it was that, it was that quick. But, um, you know, Sam, we met Sam uh, kind of like at a, it was like a, not quite a rap party, but it was kind of like a halfway through the production. Cause he was, everyone was staked and was staggered. So certain, you know, people that shot first came and then the people after them. So we were filming while other people were just in soft prep while other people were editing. And so we have a really great network of friends that we met up there that are all incredible filmmakers and all just love the genre. And we met Sam uh, kind of at a little mixer before he went uh, back to LA and only thing you can say is like, if you know the sense of humor and his playfulness that he has in his movies, that's him. That's him. In real life. He's a film nerd and, mm -hmm. and just a lover of horror films and the nicest guy you'll meet. I mean, he just, you, 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 you're standing there around, you know, in a big circle, just chatting about movies and all this kind of stuff. And you forget it's Sam Raimi because he's just as enthusiastic still about everything and gets so excited. Oh, that one shot you guys did. That was amazing. I loved it. You know, he was just, it, yeah, he's very, he's a cheerleader. Very, for, yeah, he was a cheerleader yeah. for everybody. Like, and that was incredible. Like he, you know, he, we pull out shots and show him stills and he's just like, this looks great. This is, he, he was just as excited. I mean, he's been in the business for a while and, and it's easy to kind of be jaded and, and, or just lose interest. I think, you know what I mean? So the fact that, that he had that enthusiasm, like it's just never waned. That was, um, that was incredible. I mean, the highlight, that was one of the highlights, obviously one of the highlights for probably for Brian too, is when we first delivered the draft of our script, we did a read through uh, with a couple of the creative executives and a producing partner of his and Sam there. And we just literally, he's like, this is Sam's process. We're going to read through the script all the way. And That's Sam took that. one of the characters and the character he took is a character in our short called, his name's Ashley, but people call him Ash. So we had Sam Raimi reading a part. People were calling him Ash. And I, I was just like, this is surreal. <laughs> what is happening right now? And he got all into the characters. It was, it was awesome. I was just like, you know, just listening to him, like lean into the characters and, and incredible uh, notes. And play incredible notes. Oh, inc I mean, we shouldn't surprise notes. you, but, but incredible notes. Like I think people would be, I mean, he's just asking all the right questions. Well, why are we doing this? Does this make sense? Does this character, would he, this person say this? So um, again, like they say, don't work with your idols, but in this, in this instance, um, it worked out. It was great. I actually was going to mention uh, when you brought up uh, Dawn of the Dead being the movie, like you went to see and it had, the effects and the comedy uh, for me was Army of Darkness. I came out when okay. I was, nice. uh, and I, was uh, I grew up playing Dungeons and Dragons, so it was very. Oh yeah. Delicious. So me yeah. and my friends, that was like, one of the fun yeah. watching the theater. No, that's a oh. great movie. Great movies. Well, it's you know, and that's the thing is like it's his films were so. I mean, when we met him, it would be like, yeah, Evil Dead. This is important, and then you go to so Dark. Everyone who knows me knows that Dark Man for the longest time was my favorite film. That was the thing I wore out on the VHS, and I dating myself a bit but dark man was it and i think if you encapsulate the stuff that we grew up with it's kind of this mishmash of different things and if you watch our episode it's very much that it's a bit of suspense a bit of horror a bit of action a bit of fantasy if you want to throw that in there and i think dark man and a lot of his stuff is that like it doesn't it doesn't have to play by a particular set of rules like it doesn't just stay in its lane and that's what mm -hmm. we loved about sam and so that's what inspired us and so uh, truly truly working with somebody whose films and then um, you know, he's, you know, stuff like the gift that he did. And what's the one that's shot in Minnesota? 
simple plan. Simple plan. I mean, he's he's a. I mean, we're we're not gonna we don't have to turn this into a a, a fanboy gush <laughs> about Sam, but that he he's that influential on us. So it was a hundred percent a bucket list thing for us. Do you know where that series goes uh, now without uh, Quibi? Um, uh, it's old Roku, I believe. Roku bought all the rights to a, a lot of the rights to a lot of the stuff. From what we understand, it will be on Roku at some point. Um, this year is what we heard. Um, I, I'm guessing they'll probably hold 50 states until the mm-hmm. fall, you know, and drop it around Halloween, which would make sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that would be good. I mean, that's that'll be a much larger audience. I'd be excited for people to because the response is from what the minimal amount of people that did see our episode <laughs> um, has been very favorable, and people have liked it and the scope of it, and we're very proud of the, what we were able to pull off and that amount of time and, and yeah. that everything worked. So hopefully it'll be, it'll find a bigger audience, you know, there needs to be with there's that, just, there's the too many, yeah. there's too many great stories that we told. Um, so someone will pick it up after Roku um, without a doubt, someone it'll go somewhere. Yeah. I had, I had a lot of fun watching it. I thought it was, it was an excellent uh, short and I'm, I, I haven't seen any of them besides that episode and mm-hmm. I've been looking forward to seeing Oh, them. go through it. Yeah. Oh, go see them. When it go comes back around, what so many great filmmakers and just, they're all really solid. I mean, they're all really great episodes. I mean, every single one of them. They had two seasons, I guess, what you could say two seasons. I don't know how real cool will distribute it, but how many, were there nine episodes or eight episodes, Brian, nine. total? Nine. Yeah, and some of them are nine 10 minutes long. Total. Some of them are 25, 30 minutes long. It's, it's, it's a bit of a, uh, you know. Anyway, check it out on Roku when it, when it comes out. Yeah. It's good stuff. I also mentioned uh, delivery. We talked about earlier. That's on Amazon. People can get that on Amazon Prime. I'll put the mm-hmm. link here so mm-hmm. people can watch it. Yeah, it's on man. Amazon. Please, please, yeah, yeah. yeah, check it out. So, how did Intruders come about? That um, it, you go ahead. No, was, we after delivery, we had met with um, we had we had met with some producers on a on a on a sequel to a, a, a Dawn of the Day of the Dead. Was it? Was the Day of the Dead? Yeah, yeah. We pitched. I, I got to say, we we pitched our asses off. That was a really great pitch. We ultimately didn't get it. It was a really interesting take, uh, particularly on the the Bub character, but. Um, we didn't get it, but two of the producers in that, uh, Krista Campbell and Lottie Grobman, they were like, we love you guys. Like, we should just find something to, uh, to, to work on. So it was right on the heels of Delivery. Delivery hadn't even come out yet. It was still doing festivals. And they said, let's find something. And we didn't know that this is not how it works, but they basically said, we've got a guy with money. Go find us a script. Let's make a movie. And so we didn't, at the time, we hadn't written anything fresh. And so we, we fortunately, um, uh, two writers that work with our manager, uh, TJ Sinfil and, and – um, David White, David White uh, had a script that was on the blood list called Shut In. It was called Shut In at that point. Uh, it changed names to Intruders later. We should have kept Shut In, by the way. But mm-hmm. that's a distributed thing. Um, and so they, that it had just come off of option. Like it was maybe a week from coming off of option. This was like in April. So from April until August. From April it came off option, we were shooting in August. Like it, that doesn't happen in Hollywood. We didn't know that it didn't happen in Hollywood. So we went mm-hmm. from you know, just having these conversations to, Hey, what about this script? And all, we had a lot of producers on board. They all seemed to really dig it. And we flew down to Shreveport, uh, Louisiana, beautiful Shreveport. Like I said, filming four months later, like it was, it was pretty nuts, but that was um, a really great process. Cause we had some fans of our first film and they helped us cast, uh, you know, Beth Reese Graff, Martin Starr. Who's a, um, another Minnesota person, you know, for leverage fame. And um She's from Minnesota, so we bonded over that a little bit. And Jack Kessie and Josh Michael, who did play Jared on Walking Dead, and our good friend of ours now, he's also in our Fifty States episode. We that we wrote a part for him because he's 
he's such an awesome guy. Um, we just like, we have to throw Josh in all of our movies cause he's so awesome. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that making intruders was, um, again, very, sh- not a long, not a long shoot, like 15 days, but in August in Shreveport, it's like a hundred degrees and hundred percent humidity. Uh, we found a, you know, our locations scout there found us the best practical house location. It was better than we could have possibly imagined because the TJ and David wrote a wonderful script and they had very specific ideas because there's a lot of, within the movie, there's a lot of just cat and mouse and there's a lot of things and a lot of specific things, stairways this way and things like that. And the house just, usually you'd have to build something like that because it was so elaborate. We found a house that literally fit pretty much everything. We had to like change a couple of the small things, but it was just like, oh, stair goes up this way, stair goes down that way. Yep, that's in the house. And it, you know, the house had had been sitting, you know, it was about an 45 minutes an hour outside of Shreveport. So it's kind of out there. Um, and the person who had lived there had um, uh, was an older lady who I guess had left and gone to hospice or what have you. But the house, when she had gone away, the house was just locked up by her family and left for like, it had been like a year and a half since anybody had like been in the house. So when we showed up, we were like, this is amazing. This is the location we need. I mean, this is, this is the spot. And they're like, if anybody sees the movie, it looks very lived in. We'll just say that way. It looks very lived in. We had the deep clean, had to have a deep cleaning company come and deep clean it to get it to that, that level of lived inness. <laughs> it was, it was, um, it was like you unlocked the door and it was like, you know, like, this, you know, dust. And it was pretty crazy. But um, again, a small crew, bunch of people that really wanted it and wanted it to be good work their butts off man it was that was um, a good time as well because we went you know we when the crew left everyone disbanded adam and i stayed behind the street port and cut down there for like a month and a half two months four, uh, we were down there for like four months okay so we just it was just him and i and our assistant editor in a room cutting we lived together in a condo um and i remember you know, we get a call from like our line producer. It's like seven o'clock at night. He's like, what are you guys still doing at that? I'm like, where's Shreveport? We're, we're away from everyone. We're just going to be here cutting. We're going to be here working. Like what else, what else is there? What, what are you doing in the editing room? Like, Why are you still there? So, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a Saturday. We can sneak in and do it. We did it. Like, why not? Like it, we just, it, it obviously, first off, you're getting paid to do something you love. That's one. But the other thing was, um, you know, it's just no distractions. And I think for anyone, if you've ever been on location to film, that's the one benefit it does have. Obviously, there's lots to tech. You have a lot of people that have to keep your home life work, um, running, and, and that's a, a huge stress. But but you're so deeply focused because you're somewhere where you don't have a lot of ties and, you're, and you can just get lost in the work. So um, that was a really fun experience. Really it was fun. good you found a house that had, that had a, a dungeon down in the basement. Yes, that was a pre- and Let me tell you, it is really actually, it's not that hard to find a dungeon, as you believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, that, that was, was a definitely build. a build. That was, that, that that was definitely was a build. build. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, that was, that was, yeah. I mean, I was, I just all the memories you talk about walking in that place, it just takes me back to when we first got there. I remember the, the guy that came out from the rug cleaning place. When he, I mean, when, when he, he took a look at the carpet and he was like, yeah, like, you know, when the person that's supposed to come in there and clean is, is disgusted by <laughs> the state of the house, you know, you, you know, you're in for it. So, yeah. So talk about happy accidents. Those are the sorts of things that, you know, we had a crew, obviously the, the locations manager was from that area. And he, he also just happened to be driving down this road. I mean, this is the kind of place when we would drive to work in the morning, we drive the set, there'd be people riding by us on horseback. So it was out there. So the fact that he found that it was, um, you know, that's, 
those are the sorts of things that if without those, without that house, without the people that bust their butt to find stuff like that, that's how movies get made. That's how they get to the, that's how they get, you know, the things that mean everything. It's, it's, it's from the people that put as much uh, love into it as you do. And, and for a lot of times it's, you know, not everyone, it's not their passion project and it, but they, they treat it like it is. That's, that's how you get to, um, that's how you get films uh, completed, finished. Yeah. I thought it was cool uh, poster art too for intruders. We got lucky, man. <laughs> we had no input in that. We were, we were yeah, we were, we didn't no input on that. We had a ton of input in, in deliveries poster because we owned everything. So we were just, we were involved in all those conversations, but you know, intruders, we didn't own somebody else's money and you know, they're going to promote it. And I remember getting, we were editing in Shreveport, did Brian and I and our assistant editor in the same room, like doing editing systems. It's like doing, and we got that email, you know, Hey, I thought you guys want to look at this, a poster. And we opened it up and looked at it and we were all just started high-fiving because we were like, yes, that's so awesome. I mean, it was, it, they hit it spot on. It was, yeah, it's, we were very, um, again, very lucky that sometimes you can have terrible poster art, but we really lucked out. Yeah. Really, really lucked out. Yeah. You know, a lot of friends who make independent movies and sometimes have really cool poster art on the festival scene and then mm -hmm. uh, they'll get distribution and it'll be very, like look like a dial it down. Yeah. 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 That's our first, our first, um, our first, the delivery had, you know, poster art that we commissioned from some artists and, and obviously it changes when it has to go to distributors. And that was, you know, that was because we own delivery. We were in on all those conversations with our sales agent, with our distributor. We had very intimate access, direct knowledge with about every decision made. And we didn't always get a final say in it, but we were listened in on the decisions that are made. And it was fascinating. I don't think a lot of people realize, um, you know, how the sausage is made and the decisions are made. Um, because a lot of times if you're, you're a director for hire, they just, they basically just send you the poster when it's done and they tell you where to show up for press. But we, we had, it was, that was probably the, the, the best education we could have gotten on, on the machine behind distribution and how films get to the public. Pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have a question, Trista? Yeah, um, if you don't mind circling back to uh, Grey Cloud Island, sure. you guys, sure. I was so impressed by the special effects on that. Mm -hmm. And um, similarly, that's how stuff gets made, right? I'm sure you had a really competent team. So I'm mm -hmm. wondering if you mm -hmm. can talk a little about uh, those people in that process. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so when we, you know, the, pre-production um 450 states was very quick also you know we landed and we probably started shooting like eight days later or whatever so and the way they had kind of stacked the productions you know they'd shoot one they'd go in soft prep then they would shoot that episode and then they would go into post and then they'd be on to the next one so you, you only had a certain amount of time access time with the department heads that you're going to be meeting with so you sit down i remember sitting down we did a read through of the script we talked about every single, you know, you know, if, if you've ever, if anybody's ever been in part of that, you just sit down and you talk through the script, every single action line, every single motivation care line, everything needs to be figured out. And everybody, every department head needs to know what, what their specific task is. So I remember getting to the, to the vision, the big visual effects sequence at the end. Um, and they kind of had a mock-up picture of what they were thinking they wanted to do. Like we, we weren't sure we didn't, you know, we, we don't know how much money they had to spend on the visual effects, like how much time they were going to spend on the visual effects. We were just crossing our fingers, hoping that um, it would do it justice. And they showed us a picture. And I still remember Brian's face when they showed the picture of the mock-up that they were like, we were thinking like, this is might be what it's going to look like. 
And Brian was like, oh, man, what? That's great. Let's do that. You know, and it was just they they were pretty remarkable in how quickly they were able to turn around stuff and how well it worked out. I mean, it's it's it was the, our first real um, experience dealing with like heavy visual effects where it's like this isn't completely a complete visual effect shot. There's there's like very little real and that was and that was all it was a combination visual effect and special effects so they had to create yeah i think what happened was i remember i think we were filming what that thursday did we, did we start mm-hmm. and the, we started we, thursday friday and then we came in the thing you don't realize you would know, who would know is that we started filming on halloween night in the woods oh, yeah. in vancouver probably not a problem but apparently in, in in canada for for halloween that's when they set off fireworks so if you're in the middle, if you've got fireworks going off in the background and you've got, so, I mean, it was a crazy couple of nights, but I think on a Sunday, they sent us the photo of what the face, I mean, without giving too much away, everyone knows it's, it's a big moment. There's a, there's a, a really great um, reveal. And so I think the visual effects team had sent the face, the photo, the face mm-hmm. of what it would end up looking like. But the special effects team was like, you want us to do that in four days? Because like we said, we landed. And when we landed, they didn't, because they were working on one film, all right, one episode, boom, all right, you guys. Like we would be sending them photos and, and all these sorts of things, but they couldn't truly get to it until we landed. So they had eight days to, to build everything that you saw, costumes, all that stuff. And so um, I remember the conversation. We were like, we had two different versions of the creature effect. And, and one of them was like, eh, pretty cool. Something you've seen before. And the other one was what was in the film. And I remember saying to the guy like, this is cool, but this I've never seen before. And he had that look like, okay, I'm probably just gonna- You said it looked like, I knew you were gonna say that. He's like, I'm I'm probably gonna be up for about two days, but I'll do it. And when he walked away and we didn't see him again, and we didn't know when we showed up to set what he was, what was gonna show up. And so what happened was the actress, like I said, it's a combination of a visual effect and a practical effect. We have the transformation as the visual effect and the, but they actually had to create the practical effect so that once we're done with the transformation, you see. And I remember they showed our actress. We have photos. Unfortunately, we can never show them because it's such a spoiler. But we have great photos with our actress and the effect in the in the, in the face. And when I when we walked in the makeup chair and saw them working on it, I was there's teeth everywhere. We were just like, what? Incredible! Again, we didn't do know, that? you know, which version they were going to do. He was like, yeah, no. I, I, I mean, we could have shown up. We could up do this. Like, this. I don't know. Yeah, he might have been like, we tried, but we just couldn't do it. And what could you do at that point? You just you in the chair. But the fact that we showed up and saw that. Again, those are all the things that, that really go into it. So, that, I mean, that team was incredible. They did incredible work for the whole series for those who have a chance to watch it. Um, but that was, that was, that's the big moment, really. Like, it all leads to that. And so the fact that they were able to do that. And she was in makeup for hours to get that on. Um, it was like three hours or something, two or three yeah, hours. She had to be in yeah, makeup for that. And, and, um, wow. Yeah. We, we all and then go run like, around. Uh, then go run around. You know, oh, my gosh. Run around. We asked a lot. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, yeah. Uh, thank you for highlighting that because um, truly um, it, the, the whole episode really builds to that. So it's important. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I want to uh, show a picture here. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. She's scary. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, here you guys are. That's so, us. Uh, <laughs> that's my uh, that's my dad's uh, hunting gear on the left. Brian's an army soldier. I don't know what I'm doing with those shorts, but uh, well, if yeah. you notice, I'm also wearing shorts. I've got I've got the yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like this is your life. I feel like this is your life. <laughs> oh my well, <God>. the next, <laughs> <laughs> the next <laughs> video, yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah, that's, so that's me and that's, now we're gonna bring on your prom date. Yeah, oh my god. Oh god. Um so that's us in uh my parents' driveway shooting some weird movie, and then the uh the one on the right is us sh- on the set of intruders, man, doing the same thing. It's literally it's funny, it's just it's us doing the same thing we've yeah. always done. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's fun. That, I, I remember hearing Christopher Nolan explain the difference between going from like Memento to Insomnia or Batman. And he just, and it really is not that different. I mean, we walked on the set for 50 States, which is by far, even though it's only 24 minutes in runtime, uh, by far the biggest thing we've ever done. It, it truly just felt like we were back home making our movie. I mean, mm-hmm. you have more people to kind of bring that to, to, to life, but we've always just been um, pretty precise with what we want and our communication has always been strong. So it's always very easy for us to just be like, great, let's get this, let's get this, let's organize. But it was, it was pretty, it was pretty massive just getting on set and realizing how many people were there. It, like I said, by far the biggest thing that we've ever done despite the runtime. Um, so I remember you asking earlier, Trista, if we were nervous and we really weren't, I think we were so, the, the, the schedule was so insane. I don't think we had a chance to be nervous. I just think we just put our heads down and went. And um, the only time I, the only time I was a little nervous was exactly what Brian was talking about when the car picked us up and we we're talking about what we want to do the first day and, and how we want to do it as we're driving out to this, you know, it's about an hour outside of Vancouver to, to the woods and what have you. And they pull in the parking lot and there's like 50 semi trucks and like hundreds of people walking around. And, and I got a little nervous there. I was like, Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> uh, we stepped it up, but then, you know, then it's this movie making, man. It's just, it's just, just get the shot. Let's just do the thing, get the shot and, and follow, follow your plan. It's all about prep too. I mean, like, Brian and I were prepping the whole time before we actually got up there and we were pestering our DP. He was like, I'm shooting another one guys. I'll get to you when it's your turn. You know, that kind of a thing. And Tony Mirza is our, was our DP. And he was phenomenal. Like we owe a lot to him too. Just his eye. He has a lot of experience in television and shooting fast and being able to like move. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, I mean, oh. I, when we shot, we weren't fortunately for a lot of people that were doing Quibi shows, I think that there was that edict that it had to be available. You have to be able to, Keep in mind that people are going to be watching it both ways. But fortunately for us, Sam protected us and was just like, don't worry about that. Do it your way. So we're really excited for people to see it on larger screens um, because to a person, everyone- We shot it to be that way. Yeah, we, we shot, shot it to be that way. All the episodes are beautiful, beautifully, beautifully shot episodes. So I, I'm excited for people to see them because I, they, I, despite being originally intended for a phone, they'll look a lot better on the screen. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what is it when you guys are working together? Like, do you butt heads at all? Or are you guys normally on the same page? We butt heads all the time, but we're, we're normally <laughs> on the same page. I mean, it's all, we butt heads. It's kind of like, we've known each other since fourth grade. So it's like brothers and, and right. literally just like, but it's always about the story, whatever we're doing always wins out. You know, there's no ego of this or that or whatever. It's always about what's best for the story. So ultimately that will decide who's right. If we have complete opposite ideas as to what something is, it's just like the answer just kind of shows up just because it's like, this is what this movie or this is what this scene needs to be to make this movie work or make this moment work. And that always wins out. But I'd be curious to hear if our actors, if our actors ever saw, because whenever I hear filmmakers like the Coen brothers or the Wachowski siblings or whoever talk about, Oh, we've never, I'm like, really, you've never had a disagreement on set. How is that possible? Um, but I don't, I, I'd be curious to hear if, 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 if the actors we work with think it's a seamless, you know, two heads, one brain thing. I and mean, it might, for us, it may feel like we have disagreements, but to them, it may just look like conversation. It's all in prep too. You iron out for us, at least we do lots of prep and we are, we come prepared. So it's like, we've ironed out all those issues 
before we even get on set. So, the, you know, cause we, you know, you're shooting something in five days. You don't have a time. You don't have the 10 minutes to sit here and try to talk about whether the shot is right or what we want to do. Like we have to have that stuff planned out already. Yeah. So we, we also wrote it. We also wrote yeah. this. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think a lot of that comes down to you're interpreting someone else's words for us. We, you know, it was our words. So that's, it's, it was easier. Now, do you have another question, Trista? I do. Yeah. I think Brian may have touched on it a little earlier about just being proactive mm-hmm. and, and uh, sort of uh, just doing it. But I'm wondering if you guys have any other advice for aspiring filmmakers. It's a great question. Adam, you want to start or you want me to go? <laughs> well, I, I think it's, you know, you kind of, um, they always say, oh, you need to, in Hollywood, you need to be lucky to like get a movie going or, or whatever. Yes, you do definitely need to, need to be lucky. You need to, but you need to do the work in advance. So you need to be constantly, if you're a writer, be constantly writing those projects, honing your craft, you're a filmmaker. If it's just going out and shooting short films for yourself that you don't intend to show to anybody else, you need to be going out and doing that so that when you, when that luck or that opportunity, or you step onto that elevator and there's that person and they're looking for the thing that you are ready to do the work that you are at that level that you're ready to do it. So, um, you know, if you're an actor, you know, I'm, I'm not an actor and you know, I don't pretend I am, but practice your, your trade. I mean, you know what I mean? You got to continue to practice. We do it all the time. We're always writing. I mean, we're always writing things. Um, and we're always trying to shoot things, you know what I mean? Like, even if it's with my kids, you know, I have a nine-year-old and a four-year-old and, you know, there are people driving by and I'm like shooting little shots of them doing different things when we go on a walk or something. It's just keeping, keeping those, mu- the muscle memory alive, you know what I mean? That's kind of, um, that's kind of, it, that's important for us, at least. Um, it's kind of, that's creating your own luck. Just make sure that you're ready when the luck shows up. I would, I would also say um, two things, hump being, being humble and, and, and just also having belief. But the humble part comes from, you know, we know a lot of friends that have moved out to LA and then six months later, they're, they're back. And I think they thought they were going to land to a parade in a six figure deal. You know, it's, it's so you, you really do have to come out. And for us, when we say that, like, you know, you may come out here and you may already have a, um, a material. You may have short films, you may have script. You can land and, and become an overnight success. That does happen. I don't think very often, but it does happen. But for us, truly, we landed and didn't know anybody. We, had, we didn't have any contacts. We got jobs at a bookstore. We went out and tried to get internships. Through those internships, we just learned how the business worked. And then we, we, we saw enough people doing it to, to figure out that's the path we're going to take. But I think you have to just have – it does take time. And for every person that you see that seemingly overnight – became what you saw in an interview on television, you know, just they were grinding for 10 years before you were ever watching them. So just don't be afraid of it. And truly, if, you know, we love every single part of the process. We love casting. We love writing most days. We love the directing, obviously, the post. Like, oh, we just love every single, so it doesn't feel like work. So, um, you know, for us, it's just, it's, it's that grinding. And then the second thing is belief, because, you know, to the point we were talking about when we were doing delivery and the questions about how are you going to possibly do this, that, and the third, like it's, um, it's you, you can't expect everyone to have the same level of belief in what you're doing. You just, you can't, because they're going to be looking at it from their point of view. Um, so just make sure that you obviously be prepared and listen to what their concerns might be, but don't let that sway you because ultimately you don't want to be looking back and thinking, why didn't I pursue this? Because someone else, out of out of their own fear projecting it onto you talked you out of it 
Um, so I think that's really important. I think that's probably the hardest thing as we have gotten to a place now where we're building other projects, larger projects, and you have to send those other projects out for people to, to, to judge, um, uh, and determine whether or not they want to invest uh, their time or their money uh, or resources into that. Like they're not always going to see what you see. And, and that's the toughest thing. It really just truly does take one person. And, and there's lots of factors. The one thing that you never get for, as a, as a creator is, is the feedback as to why. And some people just maybe just don't know why they just have a gut that says no, but the feedback you don't ever receive. Um, but it really just takes that one person. And I think there's so many stories, you know, films like Get Out that for years was trying to get made and all of a sudden everyone's like, yes, yes. And I'm sure Jordan was like, I came to you two years ago. What's up? Like, why, why didn't you say yes then? So that happens all the time. And I think, I think you hear that from, from a lot of filmmakers that you would look at and go, wow, look at, the, look at what they put together. But between those films that they've gotten made are the five in between every film that they didn't get made. Um, and, and Trist, I'm sure um, for you as, as an actress, you know, the difficulty of going out there and putting yourself out there constantly to, to get work. And it's, it's similar. It's, 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 you have to be just dogged and you just have to keep going. And uh, I have another thing to add to that yeah, and be yeah. and just be nice and just be a nice person. Just be nice. You know, you don't have to necessarily agree with think, things that people are throwing at you or, you know, this and that, but just be cordial. Just be a nice person because that's what I tend to find the people that we want to continue to work with are the people that pushed us and were hard on us, but we're, we're, we're nice. We're just nice people. They wanted the project to be the best it could possibly be, but they weren't an a-hole about it. You know what I mean? They weren't just being an a-hole for the purpose of being an a-hole or I'm your boss and I can tell you what to do and this is what, what we're going to do. They're just nice people who want to make good movies. And those are people we want to work with. I, I hear from all the, the greats. Scorsese always says, oh, I just work with the same people because those are people who are nice and I know how those people work and they know how I, how I work and it's a comfortable and it's not, it's not meant to be a thing where you're pulling your hair out and hating everything every day. You know what I mean? Like this is, we're making movies. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is what we're doing. We're making movies. So let's, let's make it fun. Let's do it right. And let's do the hard work. Um, let's just be nice to each other and make it fun. Like it's supposed to be, you know I mean? That's, that's the kind of sets that Brian and I try, try to create uh, is, you know, camp, fill in whatever movie you are. I mean, you'll get the best out of people that way. I, I mean, I, I firmly believe that you'll get it. You know, you'll get the best out of people. if You're just a nice person. You know what I mean? Very simple. Yeah. I think that's good advice for whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 100%. 100%. Yeah. No, I mean, so it's a weird time right now, but are you guys working on anything currently? We're always working on things. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So we have, uh, we, there's a couple of things that we're working on. That we can't say much about. We wrote something, a script that uh, has something to do with The Exorcist that we are working with a producer on right now. Um, doing some revisions on the script um, and hopefully we'll get that going this year. Um, we're also working on potentially uh, stepping up our 50 States episode into a, a feature, something revolving around our episode into a feature version of that. So that's kind of like in de- development, I guess, quote unquote development. And then Brian, you want to fill in on, on the last thing? Yeah. Tur- there's a project called turnkey. It's um, it's a haunted house story kind of turned on its head we kind of our pitch is like imagine if chris nolan did a a haunted house story it would definitely not just be a haunted house story it'd be a bit more up its sleeve so that's something else that we're excited about um that we're hoping is our next thing so um we just try to keep busy yeah it's only it's the only way to do it well tristan do you have another question i do yeah um 
to take it back to delivery, as mm-hmm. you guys know, I, I'm an actor, so I do a lot mm-hmm. of indie films, and mm-hmm. I'm based in L.A., mm-hmm. so I have to ask, uh, <laughs> were you just stealing shots all over L.A.? No, no. Well, yes wow. and no. Wait, yes and no. Yes and no. We did get, you know, we, we did get permits. So um, for a lot of the stuff that you saw, like we went to Santa Monica to pier, we had permits for all that stuff. Uh, we went to a baby store and we went to Velvet Margarita. So we had to get permits for all that stuff. We didn't, our film was so small, we just couldn't afford to be shut down. And so um, we did it the real way. Like we did a real movie just on a really small scale. Yep. There, there are lots of LA, shots. LA fire, LA fire came when we yeah. had LA fire came to inspect, make sure we had the right amount of, uh, you know, extinguishers and all that. We, we, we were very concerned about like, we cannot be shut down. We can't afford it. It was a tiny, tiny, tiny movie. I mean, more than paranormal, the original cost, but not a ton more. That said, we did steal a lot of, like you'll see stuff like Beverly Hills and this and that. So yes, we did steal those. Um, but don't tell anybody. Hold the camera outside the car. You drive by the Beverly Hills sign and be like, okay, great shot. We got that covered. <laughs> Little yeah, tricks gotta, of the trade. Do what you got to do. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. yeah. We brought up uh, Type AB, and I'll have the link in, in, uh, in the description here. But uh, where can people follow you to see, to see what you guys are up to? Uh, yeah, we're online. Uh, we have our website, www.typeabinc.com. That's basically the best place to go to kind of see what we've done. We have our trailers and the stuff that we've done. They have links to both Amazon uh, delivery and intruders are on Amazon prime. If people have that and um, the killing floor uncovered is on the PlayStation network. So that stuff is, uh, and I think it's also available on steam and, and what have you. So there's links to that. Um, we're both, you know, we're both on Instagram and Facebook, uh, of course, under our own names and we can send you, send you that stuff if you want to post that stuff too. And uh, yeah, we're always looking to collaborate with people and, you know, these kinds of conversations are awesome. So thank you so much for having us on. And, you know, we could, we could do this all night. It's fun to just talk about movies and making movies. Yeah. It'd be very fun to do it again sometime. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're here. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Yeah. Oh, same here. I appreciate it. Thank you guys. Yeah. Same here. Thanks for having us. Difficulty. So he couldn't, uh, he couldn't. All good. Oh. Catch him next time. Yeah, but I, yeah, I have to do time. this because he he wants me to open this on air. Tomorrow's my birthday. Okay, my my birthday gift. All right. Uh, if you guys don't okay. want to stay for this, no, 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 I can't miss no. it. I, I have to. I have to see what this is now. <laughs> too, much, too much suspense. <laughs> I have no idea what this is. This is Rumble oh, Rumble Slam. Rumble Slam, the game of fantasy wrestling. <laughs> Pretty cool. I love it. That is yeah. cool. I'm a big wrestling fan. So uh, I will look at this off air, but it looks like a, a miniature game of fantasy wrestling. So it's like ogres and orcs, and that's pretty. Sp- good stuff. Like the army of darkness <laughs> in the ring. So, so it looks, so it looks you like you're hosting game night, the next game night. I guess. Exactly. <laughs> Very exciting. Very cool. <laughs> well, happy happy birthday tomorrow. Thank you. I appreciate. Happy it. birthday, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. And I also have a package from Trista, but I'll open that uh, tomorrow on my birthday. Oh, now I'm really intrigued. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I won't break street date on it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it. Thanks for having us, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for watching.